0: Hey, everybody, it's Josh and Chuck, and we're coming to see you guys. Some of you, some cities, just listen up.
1: That's right, because, you know, we just did Chicago and Toronto, and it mm-hmm. went great. Yeah. And I think our topic of beep went really well. It sure did. And everyone loved hearing about beep. That's right. So if you're in Boston, you can come see us on August 29th at the Wilbur, Portland, Maine. Maine? At the State Theater on August 30th? I can't wait. I'm gonna. It's Labor Day weekend. I'm going to stay the whole weekend. I'll be all over Maine.
0: That's great, man. Where else? We're going to be in Orlando on October 9th, and then on October 10th, we're going to be in New Orleans, man. And then later on that month, we're doing a three-night stand, the 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Bell House in Brooklyn.
1: That's right. 25th is sold out, but you can still get tickets for the 23rd and 24th, and we will see you then. Check it out at sysklive.com. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
0: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. There's Jerry over there eating uh, with chopstick, uh, as a matter of fact.
1: You know when Jerry pulls out the chopsticks.
0: It's time to record. <laughs> That's right. Yep. She's got she's got Facebook open and she's sitting there with her chopstick. So it's we're recording the now. Jerry's everybody.
1: been fork-free since 83. <laughs> Speaking of 83. Your shirt? I guess it's
0: kind of 83-ish.
1: looks very Thomas Magnum.
0: It does, Chuck, it does. Not just the shirt, the whole outfit. Look at the jeans, the shoes. Yeah? Yeah.
1: You got the Ferrari out back?
0: Thank you for <laughs> noticing, man. Thank, I look like a chubby Thomas Magnum.
1: It's funny because uh, I just finished Stranger Things 3 and um, saw that there was a... Have you seen it yet? Are you into that?
0: No, I, I I liked the first season and I never really got back into it after that. No no offense to anybody.
1: Sure. Uh, the the main, uh, the sheriff guy. yeah. Hopper wears Hmm. a shirt kind of like that through most of this season. Is that right? And so Mm -hmm. someone did a cut of like a Magnum P.I. intro (laughs) and had him running around and shooting things and jumping into cars all set to the Magnum thing. Very cool. And it really fits. All you got to do is throw that song with the guy with a shirt like that, and it's Magnum. Yep. Of course, he has the mustache, too.
0: Well, I'm a mustacheless chubby Magnum. You should
1: wear a mustache. That'd look interesting.
0: I don't know. It do solve a lot of mysteries, though.
1: Nothing can change a look like mustaches. Oh, dude. especially Instantaneously. If,
0: right, especially a fake mustache because you just put it on and bam, you're done. That's right. So uh, I tried—I'm going to go back to the 83 segue.
1: Yeah, we're here. right? We're right in the middle of the 80s. Yeah, like
0: I, this was super 80s. This is as 80s as it
1: gets. Yeah. That
0: Iran-Contra affair. That's what we're talking about. Some people call it Iran-gate. I poo-poo that
1: name. Iran-Contra.
0: Sure. Um, I remember this going on at the time. Me too. I remember watching Oliver North testify. Me too. And my sister was like, oh, he's so dreamy. Look at how much poise he has. Oh, he got his dress greens on. Right, exactly. All those medals. Had his Boy Scout three fingers up, like yeah. swearing. Uh-huh. I really think he did do that. <laughs> um, But even as an adult, like everything I knew about Iran-Contra, was like wrong. until researching this, it was... Just the glossiest version.
1: Well, I mean, I, I was like 10 and 11, so you were like 7 and 8.
0: Sure, sure. But I mean, like, still over time as you age, you're like, oh, that's what was going on. Or, oh, I understand right. that. Even as an adult, my conception of it was not very thorough at all. And as I dug into it, I'm like, this is one of the shadiest things America's oh, yeah. ever done. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ever. Yeah, and it was really great to do this. And, like, now I know it. Now I have a full understanding of what happened, and if it ever comes up at a party, (laughs) right? and people are like, oh, what was that all about anyway? I'm going to be like, "Well, Please sit down for an hour. (laughs) And I'll just pull up my smartphone and play our episode. Right. (laughs) Actually, maybe an hour and a half.
0: We'll see how this goes.
1: Yeah, by the way, everyone, this is a two-parter. Yeah, buckle up. And so uh, this is part one. I figured we'd start with the beginning.
0: I think that's a really
1: good idea. (laughs) That reminds me of my friend in college watched the movie... Uh, oh, which one was it? Weekend Not at Bernie's shortcuts. Weekend it was, at Bernie's was a movie two. that was on two video cassettes. What? It was so long, you know, oh, okay. they had to split them up. Was it Magnolia?
0: A Bridge Too Far.
1: I can't remember. My friend in college, very very famously among our friends, watched the second tape first, <laughs> and then watched the first tape second, and didn't really put it together. She was just like, I thought it was a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Really? She was oh, like, so
0: it was accidental?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, okay. And then she was like, uh, and then she showed up in the. And the second part, and I was like, she's already dead. She was kind of country. <laughs> this, this, this is kind of funny. <laughs> this
0: movie's one of them anachronisms. Yeah. Well, this is not an anachronism because we're going to be normal, smart, sane people and start at the beginning. That's right. And there's really no better place to start than the election of Ronald Reagan in 1980. Ronald right. Reagan, if you weren't familiar with him already... When he was president, he had already been governor of California, but even before that, he had a pretty extensive career in Hollywood. Yeah. And while he was a pretty big star in Hollywood, at least B-plus list, if not A-list
1: actor. Yeah, I mean, he was a medium-sized star.
0: Sure, but definitely way more famous as president than he ever was as a movie star. Sure. Um, he learned to detest communism. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, communism was a really big thing in Hollywood. Like, it was very fashionable, um, especially among the intellectuals of Hollywood. Yeah. And he learned to hate it. So much so that by the time he got to be president, he had this idea that there was it was impossible for capitalist democracy mm-hmm. and communism to coexist, even peacefully on earth. You yeah. couldn't have both. You had to have one or the other. And by God— Ronald Reagan was going to see to it that the one that we had was a capitalist democracy.
1: Yeah, he wanted to stamp out communism wherever it reared its head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was rearing its head close to home, which we'll see here in a second. But all over the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. He It was called the and Reagan. Bits, yeah, bits and pieces of it were.
0: Right. And he came up with the Reagan Doctrine. And the Reagan Doctrine was um, we will aid any any opposition to communism wherever mm-hmm. it sprouts. Like if you're if you're fighting against a communist revolution, we'll support your country. If you're a rebel fighting against a, a leftist communist um, uh, government, mm-hmm. we'll help you overthrow. That's the Reagan doctrine.
1: Yeah, via uh, money, via arms, sure. via training, mm-hmm. via covert operations that we carried out ourselves. Yeah. There were all kinds of ways that we could and did uh, help s- stem the flow of communism.
0: yeah So there was, as you were saying, there was a place pretty close to home where communism had sprouted up, and that was Nicaragua, down in Central America. And in Central America in the 30s, the Sandinista government uh, had taken power and had held on to power well into the 70s and by this time the early 80s, and it drove Ronald Reagan nuts that there was a communist power right there that was being supported by the Soviet Union through Cuba, ostensibly. I've never gotten the impression that this was ever conclusively proven. They definitely got support from Cuba. But whether it was the Soviet Union who was really calling the shots in Nicaragua, Nicaragua or not, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, to go even further back and draw the lines a little even more clear, the Sandinistas were named for Augusto Sandino, who led the nationalist rebellion against what? The U.S. occupation of Central America. (laughs) Oh, that's where it started, huh? (laughs) That's where it all started. And from 19, you know, the U.S. occupied, this is all part of the Banana Wars. Right. So we occupied Nicaragua from 1912 to 1933 Mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons, but one was like, hey, no one's going to build a canal here unless it's us. Right. That was sort of one of the main reasons. And uh, that all ceased in 1933 with Roosevelt's good neighbor policy, Mm -hmm. which is basically like we're going to pull out of Nicaragua. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So... But we, we had our fingers all over Central America right. for many, many, many years. And that's why when people forget or choose not to remember when people flee horrible situations in Central America to come to the United States now, mm-hmm. like kind of where all these horrible situations started years and years ago right? because of things that we did.
0: Right. Well, when, when Reagan became president, um, intervening in Nicaragua – man, I'm going to have a hard time <laughs> if I can't say Nicaragua um, – it intervening in Nicaragua became like a, a like first and foremost priority for them. Yeah, for sure. Almost immediately, they started um, funding the Contras. The Contra rebels are the, the groups who were fighting against the Sandinista government. They were right-wing groups. Um, and they were funding them. They were training them, like you were saying. And they were doing all this secretly. There was an operation called Operation Black Eagle.
1: Mm, man, that one.
0: That was something else. Yeah. So, we were already funding them, and, and at the time, Congress was on board. And Congress was on board, especially at first, because the Republicans controlled the House. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how when somebody comes in and just steamrolls over the other party, usually in a presidential election? Yeah. Very frequently, there's, in the midterms, the congressional midterms, there's like a backlash against that.
1: Yeah, like a House flip.
0: Believe it or not, that happened to Ronald Reagan in 1982. Yeah. And the House did flip. They flipped over to the Democrats, and... um that Democrat-controlled House, combined with a Newsweek cover story that came out, kind of turned the tide against um, Reagan's policy on helping out in Nicaragua.
1: Yeah, there was a CIA director named William Casey who was—he was, um, was kind of telling Congress what they needed to hear here and there. Uh, you have in here vague briefings. That—that that was probably um, a generous way to say it. Sometimes Casey would send another guy, though, named Dwayne Dewey Claridge. Mm -hmm. And this is where things really went south because Claridge did not present well to Congress. Um, And anytime Congress feels like they're being subverted or ignored or, like, kept out of the loop or, Mm -hmm. like, not able to offer their checks and balances on the executive branch, they really get mad. They do. Like, we're seeing that today. This is like – History just repeats itself over and over again.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and, and in this particular case, the the place where um, where the the administration, the Reagan administration, and Congress just started butting heads over Nicaragua, it was Duane Claridge. Yeah, you know, he just that's how poor a job he did. But in his defense, he was coming from a place where he was a CIA man through and through. And this is less than 10 years after Congress had just basically rooted out the CIA, held public hearings. Yeah. That's when like the um, MK Ultra came out and the fact that they've been dosing L- um, unsuspecting Americans with LSD. Yeah. So in stuff. his
1: defense, he was mad because they uncovered all the awful things that he'd been <laughs> doing. Right, right. <laughs> Right, <laughs> True compassion,
0: Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's true compassion. <laughs> so um, so Congress is starting to to get a little unhappy with this. And there was one congressman in, in particular named uh, Edward, Edward Boland, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he was from Massachusetts. And he said, hey, I just read about this cover story in Newsweek. It has a, a title, America's Secret War, colon, Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. Seems like they should have flip-flopped that, you know, Nicaragua colon America secret war.
1: Mm, I think they both the same end goal. (laughs) It's fine, right. But he was like, wait, why am I reading about this in a magazine? Yes. And I'm a member of Congress. Right. Um, Because
0: at this time, like, Congress was like, well, uh, okay, we think we're just kind of funding things. We're maybe helping out a little bit. This Newsweek magazine was like, no, 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 it's way more than that. Yeah. Like, there is way more American involvement down in Nicaragua than, than you've been led to believe, Congress.
1: Like, actual covert CIA ops, like... Uh, blowing up bridges and blowing up buildings, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, direct saboteur type ops.
0: Yeah, not just here's some arms. Yeah, and then you know, you you close this one eye, but leave this eye open when you're shooting. <laughs> there was way more involved than that. So, like,
1: or we could just do the shooting.
0: R- basically, that yeah. Might make it Here, just let me do it. <laughs> so Congress, uh, uh, in the guise of Edward Boland, said, "Nope, we're not doing that." And they passed the Bolin Amendment, which basically said if if uh, you cannot use CIA funds or de- depart Defense Department funds to aid the Contras in Nicaragua, it's done. Good night. That's and right. And Congress went to sleep.
1: And so that should have been the that's the end of it, right? Because mm-hmm. Congress passed a uh, well, was it a law? No, passed an amendment. An act. An act. Yeah. And so everyone just stopped, right? That's how it works. All right. What's part two going to be about? <laughs> We're just going <laughs> to sit here quietly. So, um, this did not stop anything. Uh, here's what happened in 1983: the CIA uh, had this one operation where they went into the commercial shipping harbors of Nicaragua. Oh boy!
0: I know it's it's uh, contagious.
1: I said it right in my head all morning, Nicaragua. There you. go. Uh, and they put mines there. You know, I was about to say land mines, but they were sea mines. Yeah, mines. Floating mines. Right. And uh, the idea here was we're going to plant these mines that we're going to whip up our own press releases for the Contras where they take credit for it. Like we don't even trust them to write a good press release. Right. The CIA
0: (laughs) wrote the press release for them.
1: So where the Contras are saying that they did it. And uh, the overall effect it's going to have is they're not going to be able to ship arms via the seaport, at least, right. into Nicaragua. And
0: plus, it also makes the Contras look way more together sure. and with it than they actually were.
1: Right. Like, all we need to do is give them some money, and they got it covered.
0: Right. So, the CIA does this, and, and they're thinking, okay, so um, my, or, or shipping in the Nicaraguan harbors is going to stop. It does not stop. No. Um, as a matter of fact— there there were there was damage, so they used little firecracker mines, which make a big blast and a lot of water everywhere. But if it's a big ship, it's not going to hurt the ship. Mm-hmm. Well, it sunk a lot of small fishing vessels. Right. But it also damaged ships from the Netherlands, Great Britain, Oops. Japan, yeah. and the USSR, commercial ships. So um, the Wall Street Journal broke this story and said, hey, you guys, you Congress, you remember how you passed this amendment saying there could be no CIA involvement in, in Nicaragua? Well... They mined the harbor of the sovereign nation, and it blew up a bunch of other, other country ships.
1: And Congress, once again, was like, man, you keep doing secret things behind our back. Right. And that really makes us mad. Right. Should we take a break?
0: All right. Let's take a break. Stuff You Should Know.
1: Josh and Chuck. Woo!
0: Stuff You Should Know. Stuff you should know. Okay, let's keep going. So what does Congress do? They're like, all right. They're mad. We passed one Boland Amendment, which I don't think we said, Chuck, that first Boland Amendment was passed 411 to zero. Yeah. Unanimously saying do not mess around in Nicaragua anymore.
1: That's when you know Congress is mad.
0: Right, when they unanimously agree on something. And yeah. then, then the Wall Street Journal breaks the story about the harbor mining long after the Boland Amendment was passed. Mm-hmm. And now Congress is even madder.
1: Right, so they passed two more amendments, Boland <laughs> Amendments, because right. uh, there were loopholes, basically, that allowed you know the, the U.S. to sort of do these things semi-legally. So it was like, well, here's a loophole. So it wasn't really fully illegal that we did this stuff.
0: Yeah. That's like the Reagan administration's way.
1: All right. (laughs) They closed these loopholes. And uh, now this was like, it was pretty ironclad. I don't know about ironclad, but it it was pretty tight amendment-wise.
0: At the very least, Congress walked away thinking, it's done. It's settled. We made ourselves quite clear. Right. Ronald Reagan signed these into law.
1: Yeah, he didn't didn't, uh, veto them.
0: Nope. He accepted these things. I think he even said, like, yeah, this is a good idea, great way to go, Congress, and signed it. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do a Reagan impression. <laughs> but um, So Congress thought that the matter was settled. But it wasn't settled. Like, this is how laser-focused Reagan was on, on overthrowing the Sandinista government down in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. He just took a CIA operation mm-hmm. and took it even further underground than it had been before, basically. He was like, okay, if you guys are going to outlaw this stuff, um, we're just going to have to get even more illegal.
1: Yeah, so there were a couple of factions here at work. One was this continued operation underground, mm-hmm. deep, right. deep underground now. And then there was Reagan's public. Like, he still wanted to get real money from Congress. Right. So he didn't have to do this stuff. Right. So he kept up this public PR campaign beating this drum about communism at our doorstep. Uh, he said that the uh, the Contras were the moral equals of our founding fathers. That's a big one to pull out. Like, that's a direct quote. Yeah. Of our founding fathers. Yeah. Um, and started in with the, and again, you see this stuff kind of repeating itself, the campaign of fear, uh, where he basically said, unless we do something tough here, then there will be a tidal wave of feet people. I don't even know what that means but that's that just seems super offensive. Swarming into our country. He meant, you know, refugees, feet people seeking a safe haven. It was one word
0: even, I think.
1: One word. It's funny cuz I looked up feet people and that's a company that like I think makes shoelaces. <laughs> and they're
0: like, "Yes, yeah, say it again. <laughs> say it <dot> com <laughs>
1: Uh, so this is all going on and on the on the on the down low all the operations are going on and on the public facing side Reagan's just Continuing this PR push. Right. Basically saying, like, Congress, look at these heartless old,
0: you know, gas bags turning off the funding to these founding father, moral equivalent to our founding fathers. Go vote these guys out of office and vote in some people who will turn the funding back on.
1: Yeah. And while the Contras may have been fighting uh, communism, they were doing so through means that the founding fathers probably would not have approved of, like murder and torture and rape and mutilation, mm-hmm. kidnapping, and not, you know, I mean, it wasn't so widespread that it was like that's all they were doing, but they would resort to those tactics. right? Uh, and that's not founding father stuff. No, it's
0: definitely not. Not as far <laughs> as I've ever learned. No, I don't think so. And I mean, it's had a few hundred, couple hundred years to come out. Yeah. And it still hasn't. So, yeah.
1: I read some of the stuff too, like some of the um, affidavits were like <laughs> just brutal.
0: Oh yeah, dude. The 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 war down in Nicaragua, the civil war yeah. that the U.S. basically fomented and supported. Um, it went on for a decade. Like it was, it went on into the '90s, and it was like not just like countrymen against countrymen, like. Civilians were getting murdered by the scores. Yeah. And just they would get kidnapped and tortured and killed. And like it was a really brutal time in Nicaragua. And the, the Reagan administration is right in the middle of this, like providing as much aid as they can to one side.
1: Yeah. And it, it was uh, one of the big problems was that the Contras back then were a bunch of different factions, and right. they didn't answer to a single leader. Right. And the one thing I got out of the affidavits, uh, one of which this woman described them taking her children and her finding their mutilated bodies the next day. Good it was God. brutal. Um, one of the leaders said that there's there's no disciplinary system at all within the Contra uh, groups. So oh, like, yeah? Yeah, like there there's no accountability. Right. So you could do anything you wanted, and there's no discipline set up. Right. So it was just... They were fractured, and no one, you know, was talking to each other, and it was just a big mess.
0: Right. But Reagan was doing his best to, to paint everything in black and white. Right. Contra's good, Sandinista's bad. So anything that Contra's did was good, and stuff that couldn't be painted as good would just be denied or glossed over, or not reported on. That's right. So uh, while, while Reagan's out running around trying to drum up public support for the Contra's, and thus... Congressional aid being turned back on,
1: and also saying, "Don't do drugs." He, uh, yeah, that was a big one. Even though we're shipping a lot of drugs back and yeah. forth, <laughs> it's awfully
0: rich now that you know all that stuff, you know. Yeah, um, he's also secretly supporting them, going in flagrant violation of what Congress has said mm-hmm. that that America can do. Um, he tells his people he wants the contras movement to be kept alive, body and soul, is how he put it, mm-hmm. which and he basically said do it. This is what history has told us is that Reagan basically said keep the counter movement alive body and soul. I'm going to go work on Congress. I'm putting my hands over my ears from now on. Whether that's yeah. true or not, we will probably never know.
1: Right, because it's all as been shredded.
0: As, as far as the history books is concerned, yeah. that was that's what happened.
1: Right. So, uh here's what they did. They said the CIA has a bad rap. Um for a lot of reasons, and Congress is not super friendly with them. Well, they
0: expressly forbade the CIA from operating there.
1: Right. So he said, here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to use the National Security Council. Mm-hmm. And they're, the CIA chief, William Casey, he's around. He's going to just, like, advise here and there. And William Casey was like, oh, no, I really got to be involved because this is really good stuff.
0: They're like, no, 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 we're talking, like, <laughs> officially here. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. okay. Yeah, sure.
1: Exactly. So at first, a uh, uh, national security advisor was, uh, Robert McFarlane. And then he was succeeded by John Poindexter. Mm-hmm. Very important you remember that name. Um, and then Casey's still there, like you said, doing his thing yeah. o- on the down low, unofficially.
0: He, right. I think even in some cases kind of stepping on toes or whatever, he was like a, an additional boss to, right. the, to the main guy. The guy everybody's heard of, the guy whose mind or whose name jumps to mind when yeah. you hear about this, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North. Ollie North. And in 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 retrospect, especially if you went if you lived through the Iran Contra hearings and you're familiar with Ollie North, like you would guess that when Ollie North was tapped to head up this extraordinarily difficult secret operation mm-hmm. to go against Congress and f- keep the Contra movement alive and kicking. That Ollie North was a, a a bad A covert operator to the ninth degree, right? right. That is not at all correct.
1: No. Career Marine, uh, very highly decorated Marine, mm-hmm. uh, served in Vietnam, won Silver Stars and Purple Hearts, yeah. uh, devout Catholic, mm-hmm. and by all accounts, a stand-up guy. And to many, many Americans, he is a, a still like a... Top-notch American hero.
0: Sure. Well, he was like the president of the NRA until I think recently. Yeah. I think there's some scandal that just happened where there was. it came out that he like tried to depose Wayne LaPierre or something like that. I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> but but even beyond that, like even beyond whether he's a stand-up guy or not as far as, you know, patriotism is concerned. Sure. Just job experience, he right. had, like, none. Yeah. He had no experience whatsoever, as far as I could ever tell, in covert operations. He did a pretty good job for a he while, He did though. an amazing yeah. job. <laughs> he was basically the, the White House's operations and intel arm of uh-huh. the shadiest stuff it was doing. Stuff that was so shady, the CIA was even kept yeah. in the dark about it. That's how shady the stuff Ollie North was doing. And he had no experience. He's learning as he went. Yeah. Just making it up as he went along. And he really did do a pretty good job of it, if you look at it from that, sure. that angle.
1: Just as far as, like, getting getting her done. Right. <laughs> so um, what they basically decided was, all right, if we can't get the real taxpayer money and, like, official funds... Mm-hmm. We'll just go and raise funds on the side in secret um, through business people that, you know, we can have these big parties and dinners and say, hey, listen, communism is knocking at our door. This wouldn't be good for America. It wouldn't be good for your company. Right. And why don't you give us some money? uh, Open up the checkbook. Right. Reagan's here. You want a photo? Yeah. Sometimes he would show
0: <laughs> up to these secret fundraisers,
1: and uh, it was a, it was, it really worked. Like they raised a ton of money from the business elite of America to stop the Sandinistas yeah. in Nicaragua.
0: So they actually forget this. They founded, uh, they had two private citizens found a nonprofit, mm-hmm. the National Endowment for the Preservation of Liberty. Its sole purpose was to get these fund, these illicit funds mm-hmm. to send to the Contras which means that the people who are donating to the president's illegal secret proxy war could write their donations off on their taxes. That's right. It's just mind-boggling and hilarious in some senses.
1: Yeah, but they were uh, not the most stand-up nonprofit because, as you point out, <laughs> they raised $6.3 million through that organization uh, during 85-86. About $3.3 3 made it to the Contras. And uh, so that means a uh, fifty. Two percent program expense rate.
0: That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's not good at all.
1: Now three million dollars it took supposedly to run, to run that uh, nonprofit.
0: Those fundraising breakfasts for a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty
1: bad. Good omelets though.
0: So um, yeah, oh yeah, the best, top notch. <laughs> yeah. So from this this idea, like okay. This is this is probably kinda legal. We're just fundraising. Right. We're not giving any American taxpayer funds. We're just getting other people to donate. Private
1: citizens. Saudi Arabia was a big one. And it was all to stop communism. So like I think their intentions were that. Oh, definitely. Theirs were.
0: Yeah. And but there was a s- Definite end justifies the means sure. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and really, isn't the president really the most powerful person in the world? Right. Can Congress really tell the president what to do as far as foreign policy goes? Nah. Yeah. That was kind of the idea, I think. So Saudi Arabia donated a bunch of money. There's all these private citizens donating money. Um, and here's the thing. The Contras found themselves flush with cash. Yeah, many millions of dollars. Over just two years, Saudi Arabia alone donated 32 million to the Contras. This is a couple of loosely affiliated factions fighting in two spots of Nicaragua Mm -hmm. that suddenly have 30 plus million dollars at their disposal. The problem is they don't have the contacts in the international arms trade. To buy arms with this money, they just yeah. had a bunch of money. and They're like, "Who wants this?" Right, and they were getting crickets. Who's in got return. some bombs? Right, you know the the cartoonish black kind, the round ones that are shiny. Right. It was, take fifteen of those.
1: This is before Craigslist, too. <laughs> right. So their only uh, their only avenue was to go back to the Americans and Oliver North, and uh, he began working with a guy named Richard Secord. He was a retired forced retired, we'll get into that in a minute, Mm -hmm. Air Force Major General, and he had a lot of experience. Um, There was this group of dudes in the 1970s and 80s that were uh, former CIA or current CIA, former CIA, Mm -hmm. former and current American military Mm -hmm. who were all had their fingers in the illegal arms trade.
0: Right. So exactly what you can imagine a, a Hollywood writer would come up with. Yeah. This is the real life version of yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So they would, they would. Um, you could farm out assassinations to them. Mm-hmm. They could m- rustle up mercenaries. They could um, carry out sabotage operations. They could find whatever gun, bomb, yeah. anything you need. You want some
1: money laundered Done.
0: Yep. Right. Anything that is extraordinarily illegal and deals in death, like these guys could get their hands on. You want and some th- poison? Sure. A a bomb disguised as a briefcase? We got it, buddy. Yeah. And they would, here's the other thing, too. They were an illegal black market arms ring, but they were also even more illegal in that they would sell to whoever. Mm -hmm. Whether you were an enemy or a friend to America, it didn't matter. These guys were uh, operating well above any sort of national loyalty or anything like that.
1: Yeah, this was about making money. Sure. Like many millions of dollars. Yeah, you're right. So, especially a guy like Secord, he wasn't. He was in it to make dough. Definitely. Whereas Anali North was uh, seemingly in it to stop the, you know, communism.
0: Right. So that's a, that's an important point. But the fact that they that they contract with Secord to kind of swoop in and help um, h- hook the Contras up with arms means that the Reagan administration is contracting with this extraordinarily illegal black market arms ring.
1: Yeah. One of which uh, they took down some of these dudes over the years, um, one of them, Uh, One of the founders of this group was a CIA op named Edwin Wilson. Mm -hmm. He uh, was sentenced. He served 22 years, 12 of which were in solitary confinement, but was sentenced to 52 years for illegally arming Libya with 10,000 machine guns and 20 tons of C4 that he hid in barrels of mud and flew on a charter jet to Libya.
0: (laughs) Right, himself. It's like Hollywood stuff. I know, it really is. Like, this really happened. It's crazy. And it wasn't just Libya. This guy was funding or um, outfitting Muammar Gaddafi. Oh, yeah. Idi Amin was another customer. Yeah. Like, whoever, if you need to keep a stranglehold on power in your country, we're the people to help you do that.
1: Yeah, and when I teased earlier about Richard Secord being uh, forced into retirement, that was due to his connection with uh, with Edwin Wilson. Right. So he was forced to retire from the Air Force. They couldn't pin anything on him, but there was enough of a connection there where he had to step down.
0: Yeah. They're like, you can do this the hard way or the easy way, we're going to give you the option. And he took the easy way. And then he went on to make a lot of money. Right. He was like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, I'll just do the, the arms dealing thing full time now. Right. And he he did. So when they brought him in, at first Secord was basically acting as like a a very laissez faire intermediary. Mm-hmm. He was basically the guy who on behalf of Ollie North, was like, yeah, I can introduce the Contras to th- my friends in the arms ring.
1: Yeah, um, in Canada of all places.
0: Yeah, he introduced the Contras to some Canadian arms dealers. So now the setup was this. The friendliest arms, arms dealers. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're like, oh, these bullets will really put a hole in somebody, eh?
1: Yeah, oh, sorry. I meant to uh, include rocket launchers on that order. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> that's pretty good. So uh, C-Cord was just there to make some introductions, make sure things went smoothly. Um, and then it was up to the Contras to use these funds that were coming in from other people Mm -hmm. and to buy weapons from the Canadians. Easy peasy, right? You'd think, okay, that's fine, that's done. It still has like a slight veneer of arm's length legality as far as America's concerned.
1: Yeah, and we should mention too that he, to do this, he he set up a shell company, uh, the Stanford Technology Trading Group, Mm -hmm. with an Iranian-American businessman named Albert Hakim, uh, who knew how to get around certain official procedures and stuff like that? Right. He's another guy who could get things done. Yeah, so he set up Swiss bank accounts, untraceable accounts, because that's what you do, right, to run the funds through. And this became known as the Enterprise.
0: Yeah, the Stanford Technology Trading Company or or uh, group. Sorry, Trading
1: Group, aka the Enterprise.
0: Yeah, that was like everybody called it that because they're like, this sounds way cooler, the Enterprise, <laughs> right?
1: All right, but like you were alluding to, you'd think it would have been going great, but the Contras in the north, who was the, the FDN, they were the largest by far, right. the largest group. They were the better
0: organized from what I understand.
1: Yeah, they were doing a pretty good job, but in the south, uh, they were not doing a very good job.
0: No, somehow they were like, we don't have the arms and equipment. And they're like, what are you talking about? You have the same amount of money. You have the same contacts. Yeah. Just buy the weapons. And they're like, oh, I don't know. So Ollie North is like, okay, all right. Here's what we're gonna do. He called the leaders of the FDN and the FSLN to Miami to meet with them, and he said, "Here's <laughs> here's how it's gonna be from now on. Yeah. Any veneer of legality is going out the window. From now on, I'd like you to meet your new boss, Richard Secord. Yeah. Not only." Is he going to make sure you have arms? He's going to take the funneled money himself, Mm -hmm. buy the arms himself, and then he's going to have it kicked out of a plane over your camps. Right. So (laughs) now America is directly involved in supporting and arming and training the Contra rebels in the north and the south of Nicaragua and... If there was any again, if there's any kind of legality, it's totally gone at this point.
1: Yeah, and in the meantime, uh, Secord and Akeem were marking up their stuff as much as like three hundred percent.
0: Dude, they made a lot of money off of this.
1: Yeah, they made a ton.
0: But they put it, uh, they put a lot back into the enterprise. I mean, they took this job very seriously. Oh yeah, it was a company. Like, if you are, if you were Ollie North you were quite happy with the work you were getting from Richard Secord and Albert Hakim because the shipments went out on time. They got everything they needed. They had so much money, they had it left over. But they were also investing it into the enterprise. They bought um, planes. They rented airstrips. They hired employees. Yeah. They contracted with other, like, um, airlines, like a CIA front. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now. But they were, they were doing the work for sure. Great healthcare. Yeah, the best <laughs> benefits. All of the uh, all of the Contras had really nice teeth. Yeah, after <laughs> Richard Secord took over, work from home.
1: Yep. Uh, all <laughs> right, so let's take another break here, and we'll come back and uh, bring it home for part one with uh, a little bit about the propaganda machine that was set up. Stuff you should know. Josh and Chuck.
0: Woo! Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. All right, Chuck. So things are in full swing. America is unknowingly, totally hooking up the Contras. Now, basically running this proxy war that the Contras are mm-hmm. fighting against the Sandinista government. Right. Um, the enterprise is working full bore. Mm-hmm. And if it if it couldn't get any more illegal, if you thought it couldn't get any more illegal, <laughs> right. prepared to just be knocked right over.
1: Yeah. So here on the home front, um, it was decided that there needed to be a pretty massive and dense um, propaganda campaign. And it's we're not talking about Reagan just going on the news talking about communism being at our doorstep. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a real deal propaganda campaign. Uh, And they even set up an office, the Office of Public Diplomacy for Latin America and the Caribbean, (laughs) that was founded and managed by a Cuban-American named Otto Reich. Okay. Uh, And this was all exposed later on by the Miami Herald, uh, by the reporting of a guy named Alfonso Chardy.
0: Yeah, I just want to interject here real quick. Mm -hmm. So do you remember... When we've done, you know, historic stuff in the past and I'm like, go read the contemporary yeah. articles. There was These some so good. really good reporting going yeah. on because the story was so huge and multifaceted.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, Newsweek broke it before Congress knew. Yeah, right. The Washington Post broke it. Yeah. and Wall then, Street Journal. Yeah, Wall Street Journal and then the Miami Herald. Yeah. Because L.A. Times did a lot of really it good reporting. It was going on like in Miami's backyard. But it was back when it wasn't like, oh, think piece, think piece, think
0: piece, actual right. article, think piece, think piece. You know, it was like real yeah. reporting. And even then it still wasn't up to snuff in the end. Yeah. But there were actual journalists like actually paying attention and writing about this stuff and informing yeah. the public about it.
1: And this is when you and I were kids and I think like maybe even the seeds of us. Because we both kind of had desires to be real deal journalists sure. in our lives yeah. at one point. Yeah. Look at us now. Speaking of. <laughs> what a joke.
0: <laughs> R.I.P. Mad Magazine. Oh, yeah. What a shame.
1: Yeah, they tried. That reboot didn't work. Yeah. It's yeah. tough.
0: It is. It's it's tough biz these days. Yeah.
1: And I got friends that worked for them, too. Like in this recent reiteration. Oh, really? Yeah, or iteration, I guess.
0: Well, I know one of their illustrators is a Stuff You Should Know fan from years back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's very sad to see it go. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it was very 80s reference, though. It was. It really wasn't <laughs> off track. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, all right, this is going on. They, they set up this office run by Otto uh, Reich. Right. And this whole thing was designed and orchestrated by the CIA. But here's the deal. The CIA wasn't supposed to be doing this. They were barred from doing this.
0: Yeah, there was a long-standing like, prohibition on the CIA from operating in the U.S. Basically, like, we know who you are and mm-hmm. we know you're so good. You can't use that stuff on us. You can only use it overseas. <laughs> right. It's fine if you go overthrow other countries. and On your mind tricks. Yeah, use those on other groups, but you can't use them here in the States. And actually, Reagan himself also had his own executive order explicitly banning the CIA from let's see, um, doing any activity that was intended to influence United States political processes, public opinion, or media. Eh. This is Reagan's <laughs> executive order twelve three thirty three, and the, he, at least his administration, was like, forget about that. We'll just get around that.
1: Yeah, and who was this? Um, it says here that they, the CIA's uh, like biggest, foremost psychological warfare expert, right. retired from the agency officially and then was hired as a consultant, I guess, to this Office of Public Diplomacy. Was that Otto Reich? Was that someone else? I, I don't know. Uh, oh well. Maybe I don't that's the whole saying. point.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> but that was how that's why I was saying earlier, like Reagan, that's the Reagan administration way, just like, here's the letter of the law. Well, let's change this letter in our sentence and now we're following the letter of the law. Right. You know? And that's what they did. So the the CIA's psychological warfare guy retired, came on as a consultant, and he said, Oh, here's what you do. You need to basically start setting up some sting operations because the the point of this is to I can't remember who said this, but to paint or to glue black hats on the sandinistas and white hats on the contras in the public mind
1: right, so when you say uh sting operations," we mean literally the United States <laughs> and Oliver North smuggling cocaine into Nicaragua right photographing uh, Sandinistan officials mm-hmm. with this shipment right and then smuggling the cocaine back to the United States back to Florida back to Florida they're like we told you we'd bring it back chill man unbelievable give
0: us our driver's licenses back
1: so this photo was published this is during the middle of uh, the just say no movement um, championed by Nancy Reagan yeah so it all uh, it all fit on the surface. But what was going on behind the scenes is just unconscionable. It, it is unconscionable. Unconscionable.
0: It was both. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, so the, but this gave Reagan this photograph that got published all over the place.
1: Oh, yeah. And he's like, look what's going on. Look yeah. what these guys are doing. Right. These are, they, they're bringing this stuff into America, kill, killing our kids. Exactly. Right. So these are the people that
0: were fighting or the Contras are fighting. How can you keep the funding turned off for the Contras,
1: Congress, you jerks? And that was the only evidence, too. Yeah, the right, DEA
0: somehow came out and said, by the way, I don't know if anybody cares or not, but we have no evidence whatsoever that this uh, Sandinistan official has ever engaged in drug trafficking aside from this photograph. But this was a, a follow-up probably weeks after the big splash of yeah. the original photograph came out. So that was one sting operation. yeah, there's another one that involved Manuel Nor- Noriega, the oh, dictator man. of Panama. yeah who actually was selling drugs to America's youth.
1: Yeah, but he was also a friend of the CIA. Exactly. So much so that he was a CIA operative for
0: a very long time.
1: Yeah, I don't know about a friend, but he was at least an asset. Right. Yeah. So um,
0: this seeing operation was they were going to, through Panama, have Panama arrange for a shipment of arms to be seized in um, Honduras. El Salvador. El Salvador. Yeah. On its way to Honduras, or maybe just in El Salvador, ostensibly arms from Nicaragua.
1: Yeah, basically saying you're arming Salvadorians, you're arming Hondurans.
0: You're exporting your revolution. This is exactly the kind of thing that Ronald Reagan has been saying we need to contain— We need to pluck this sprout of communism out from Nicaragua because they're trying to spread out of the region. Totally made up, Mm -hmm. complete sting operation, and it didn't even work because Manuel Noriega was like, I didn't like that New York Times piece you guys just uh, published about me. I'm going to keep this shipment of arms for myself.
1: Yeah, but I love it at first. He was like, I can do that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, sure, send me the arms. And then we were like, oh, okay. There would be a,
0: a... I think it's from the Iran-Contra investigation. The description of Manuel Noriega was that he ran a narco kleptocracy. <laughs> that was the, the government that he ran. He yeah, was about to break a sh- down
1: that word. <laughs> he was as shady as they come. That just means drugs, uh fevery. Uh, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So um this is what's going on in the United States in the in the mid eighties. Yeah, um, and,
1: and here's the deal. If you were a, a reporter at the time right. and you were reporting on this stuff. Uh, the NSC didn't like that very much, so they would meet with editors and reporters themselves, right. and be like, "Hey, can you like, can you report on the Sandinistas that they're really not good people? Like, can you help us out a little bit?" Right. Well, but here's the thing: if you didn't uh, play ball, right. then didn't they cook up some story that? they would uh that they would send like Sandinistan sex workers there to the like pleasure the reporters
0: that was the the rumor was that if if you were a journalist who reported favorably on the Sandinista government, the reason you reported favorably on them was because the sandinista government was right. furnishing you with sex workers right that, that was, was
1: that was directly from the office of public diplomacy right. And I read the thing about it, and they said the the guy was like, "And we're not just talking women either. Right. If they were gay men, then they would we would send gay sex workers." Right. So
0: totally discredit them. It's yeah. like a, a complete page right out of the Edward Bernays playbook. It's orchestrated by the CIA's foremost expert on psychological warfare, and this was the state of America in the the mid '80s. But that was just one dimension of this whole thing, and I say. This is the end of part one. What do you think?
1: I think that's great.
0: And uh, we're going to make this a cliffhanger.
1: That's right. And as uh, per tradition, we are not going to do a listener mail. But uh, instead, we'll do a call, Mm -hmm. which we rarely do, A little, just a little marketing call, everyone. If you like stuff, you should know. Right. We've been doing this so long, we're so bad at this, yet we've managed to grow anyway. It's crazy. Tell a friend. Share an episode with a friend. Right. Now that they don't have to, you don't have to explain what a podcast is. Right. It's a lot cleaner now. Maybe start
0: with a good one, like ballpoint pens or something.
1: Yeah. Tell a friend about the show. Leave a nice review uh, or just any kind of review at all Mm -hmm. on uh, iTunes. That would help us out.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's how classy Chuck and I are. He even corrected himself from good (laughs) review to just any review. Whatever you want to leave, we're not going to try to influence you. No. Like the Reagan White House. That's
1: right. Uh, So, yeah, we'd really appreciate it. Spread a little love. Try and turn one person on to our podcast this week, and that really helps us out.
0: Nice, Chuck. How about that? That sounds like
1: a good pyramid. We like to do this once every five or six years.
0: Well, thank you for joining us this week. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go on to stuffyoushouldknow.com and check out our social links. You can also send us an email